right, welcome to another episode of Practically Theologians, where we focus on making theology practical. I'm Andrew, and I'm here today with Nikki and Josh. And today we're just going to take some time um, and kind of talk about, kind of share our testimony, a little bit about what God has done in our lives and what has led us to be seminary students together here at Sangre de Cristo. So first, Nikki, why don't you just give us a little bit of background about who you are uh, currently, and uh, yeah, just give us a little bit of information about who you are. Yeah, I'm 26. Uh, just moved to Colorado last, well, January, and originally from New Jersey. So I like the East Coast and cities. So here at the school, it's a little different. Uh, there's a lot of wheat and bread that's made by hand. It's very interesting. Uh, I, it's like a whole new world uh, that I'm used to. But uh, you used to yeah. talk like Joyzy, like real. Never, I never had an accent. I don't know <laughs> why people think that I do. Apparently, my parents do. Anyway, so I'm here, a first year student, looking to get my uh, master's of divinity by let's see, December 2020. Okay, so you're you're 26. You're a student at Singer Crystal Seminary, and did you say you're? You're married, you're not married, you're single, you're not single? <laughs> yeah. What's, I'm, what's the status? I'm currently single, but I, I'm dating a, a wonderful woman named uh, Kimia. Thanks. Josh? <laughs> I am 30-something, 30 37. Wow. 30s. In the 30s. <laughs> With six kids and a wife. I've been married for 15 years and... Um, Came to seminary. This is my first year also, so I should be finishing up at the same time Nikki does. Unless one of us fails a class or something. Not happening. Might happen. <laughs> um, yeah, that's about it. Cool. I was a drywaller. I was an accountant. Okay. And I'm from Washington State originally. And uh, so <clears throat> what are you guys doing for, just jumping off the idea, you said you're a drywaller. What are you guys doing while you're here? Are you working? Are you not working? Uh, what's your what's your employment status while you're going to seminary? I own um, I'm part owner in three two businesses, and I own a drywall repair company. So while I'm here, I kind of help manage the two companies, and then when I'm back home, I plan on working in the other company to make some money in the off season. The school year here is June through December, so I'm planning on going back to Washington and doing drywall re- repair for for an income. Uh, for me, for the first two months that I was here, I was working remotely uh, about 20 hours a week for a law firm that I uh, in New Jersey that I used to work at before I moved, uh, but I didn't feel like I can balance out the studies and also my job. I didn't think I could give my job the time and the energy and the attention that it needed, so I don't have a job currently, but I'm hoping to have one back uh, when I go home for the, the six months of the off-season. Cool. All right, and uh, like I said, I'm Andrew, and I'm here. I have a wife and three kids with one on the way. <clears throat> and the reason that we are uh, doing this episode where we're going to share our testimony and a little bit about what God has been doing in our lives up to this point is because as seminary students, uh, we are passionate about seeing, about not only learning about who God is, but seeing what we know to be true about God and how it affects our faith, seeing that play out, um, not only in our lives, but in the lives of uh, believers, wherever we may uh, end up or wherever we're at, to see believers' lives affected by their faith and by their growing knowledge of who God is. Uh, So we wanted to kind of take some time and talk about how we 
have grown in our understanding of who God is and how that's affected our faith and maybe encourage some others along the way uh, to go ahead and, and study out uh, more in depth who is God, who is the God of the Bible, mm-hmm. and how does knowing more about Him affect my faith? So let's start with Nikki. Uh, maybe to share a little bit about how you came to know Christ as your Savior and what that looked like. Uh, how old were you? What was the atmosphere around you? What, what, what were you going through at that point? Yeah. So uh, I don't know the exact age uh, or time that I necessarily came to faith, but I grew up in a Christian household and uh, was in church uh, pretty much every single Sunday growing up and uh, was raised in a Assemblies of God background and uh, non-denominational background, uh, like it's somewhat of a charismatic. And um, yeah, so really when Christ really came alive to me, I mean, I uh, just growing up, I was always had struggles with certain sins in my life and always felt like I couldn't overcome them. And then around the age of uh, 21 or 22, so about four years ago, I just remember saying, I can't continue this pattern of a lifestyle anymore. And I've tried for years to beat this sin on my own, this one particular sin that I felt I couldn't get past. And um, I pleaded to God, like, if you don't help me, if you don't step in and do this thing and help me with this area, I'm never going to overcome it. Um, and so once I finally gave it to him and I didn't want to actively participate it anymore, um, I just remember that week that the scriptures like really illuminated to me. And I, for some reason, was reading John 3 and read John 3.16 in my Bible. And I was like, oh, man, how is this? This has been here the whole time. And I miss, I've been missing this glorious uh, passage. Uh, and ever since then, I've just been, uh, you know, reading my Bible just uh, passionately. And, and it's been a joy to, to grow over my, uh, in my walk with Christ the past three or four years. And uh, came to the Reformed faith through uh, John Piper video. Uh, I think it was why he abominates the prosperity gospel. And uh, then I just watched more of his videos. And uh, I was like, wait, God sovereign. Ooh, this is uncomfortable. Uh, so I wrestled with that for a year. And then uh, it was like, wait, no, he is. So <laughs> <laughs> wait, nah. <laughs> kind of just, uh, yeah. At first when we're, when we're hit with that, like you said, it can be uncomfortable, but it becomes a great comfort, right? Absolutely. We begin to yeah. Learn more about how God uses his sovereignty yeah. for his glory. Uh, so you were a Christian, uh, you, you were a believer from a young age, right? Is yeah. what you said. So, uh, so I want to come back. Uh, we'll talk to Josh here, but I want to come back and talk a little bit about what it looked like when you said I, I uh, continue to grow my walk with Christ, especially after kind of that moment when you hit that John three sixteen. But first, Josh, let's go to you. Uh, what what's your background as far as when you became a believer? Uh, what what age range were you in? Young, young, yeah, cool, yeah. How young? Very young. <laughs> Do you remember? I mean, is it young yeah. enough that you don't remember? Or? Yeah, I don't really remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I used to think Jesus was actually physically in my heart in a little workshop, little tiny man working in there because that's kind of the way that I was taught as a young child, four or five, let's say. Um, I grew up in the church. Both sides of my family were from Christian households, which is a blessing. All my siblings are walking with Christ. Um, which is a blessing, and all my wives are as well. Um, so I kind of am one of those people that grew up in the Christian church, 
um, and just kind of became a Christian at some point without a come-to-God moment. Uh, kind of like you were grandfathered in or something? <laughs> <laughs> kind of like kind of like I, I, sh- I should have been Pato baptist all along. Yeah. No. <laughs> we won't get into Ouch. that. Yeah. Um, but so I grew I just grew up hearing the gospel, and I remember at times being afraid that, that I hadn't really believed. You know, you have the assurance you have assurance of salvation where Christ, you are assured that Christ does save, but you also have a, kind of an assurance of your faith. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you sure that you have had faith? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as part of how I was taught in the church, it was just a community church, evangelical free at first. And the teaching was very basic and moralistic, and the gospel was always very basic and kind of tacked on to the end of things for people who didn't believe in Jesus who didn't know anything and to convert people basically. So I kind of grew up with a, um, a stunted view of the gospel in hindsight, but I definitely understood Jesus died for my sins and rose again. Cool. Um, and I, I want to come back also, uh, and talk about kind of what your, your specific Christian background was as we went or as you continue to grow as a Christian uh, from that community church and then what that turned into. How'd I get here? And how you and eventually we'll get to how you got here uh, with six kids. But yeah, um, that's insane. <laughs> so uh, this this is interesting because you guys both have a Christian background. You're both are Christians from uh, as far back as you can remember. And but for me, uh, I wasn't a believer. I, I grew up in a Christian home, uh, but I didn't become a believer until after I was married, uh, which was 2008. Uh, so uh, for me, I'm a fairly young Christian when it comes to when I, when I got saved. Uh, but I knew a lot about who God was, but my background, the gospel wasn't very solid either. It was uh, more legalistic. Uh, but I, I knew that there was a God and I knew who Jesus was. Uh, but I, I ran from that for a long time before I actually became a Christian. Uh, so, and then eventually God did call me and drew me to himself kicking and screaming. Uh, and I became a believer uh, but for you, both of you that that grew up and were Christians from a young age, were believers from a young age, what what were some struggles that you had to work through, uh, or were there any? Uh, say from like um, through the grade school years, right, where you you know there's a God, you believe in God, uh, and you're you have this faith in who God is. What what does that look like as you go through grade school years? And it's just for you, it's just normal, right? It's just a, a normal reality. Yeah, when you're brainwashed from a young age, it's a lot easier. <laughs> I was I was always a kid, the type of person who really didn't follow peer pressure very much. And I, I was homeschooled from third grade on, which also kind of helped with peer pressure type stuff. But never having really been susceptible to that, I just kind of grew up always. I never doubted the existence of God, the kingship of God, the morality of the Christian life and how... That is what God desires of his people. So I, d- I didn't really go through a struggle okay. per se. I didn't deal with people who made fun of me that much for what I believed, but I also didn't really care if people made fun of me Okay, because I just... You just knew it was true, right? Yeah, I just yeah. figured, well, it's true, so all right. And jo- Josh is a pretty laid-back guy, so there's not too much that rattles him, so that doesn't <laughs> surprise me one bit. Yeah, it's very frustrating when I want him to do something, and I can't really coerce him in any way. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's pretty... <laughs> Uh, but for me, 
Uh, I double dog dare you. <laughs> for me, I grew up uh, just usually being like the only Christian in my group of friends. So I had no doubt that there was a God and that Christ died for my sins. That was as clear as anything else in in my reality. But uh, I just struggled to walk out a life that was pleasing to God because I would have no really good influences in my friends around me. They would all be of the world. And most of them would say that they're Catholics or believe in a God to some sort, but, you know, aren't ever reading their Bible or, you know, just doing the things that maybe a, a Christian does in his day-to-day life. And so I would be around them and I'd be influenced by them. And I'd have certain times and points where I'd be like, quote unquote, good. And I wouldn't give in to whatever temptation was surrounding me. And then there'd be other times or seasons where I'd be like, oh, I'll do this thing. And then, you know, I'll just worry about the consequences later. Unfortunately, uh, a bad look to have. So I wasn't plugged into a really a youth group or anything growing up. And I really wish that I was because that would have made a world difference in uh, my earlier years. Well, that's what you think. <laughs> depends on the. I mean, probably depends on the quality of youth group, but we can talk about that some other time. <laughs> yeah, uh, very true. <laughs> but I get what you're saying, though. It, it does help to have, like, like Josh was saying, he didn't have people that were, uh, or he wasn't surrounded by a group of kids that were trying to, uh, if I was hearing correctly, that were trying to pull him away from what he thought was uh, the right way to live. I never hung out with the cool kids, yeah. so. So yeah. Josh was saying he was kind of a loner. The reason he didn't have people pulling I'm him a away. Loner, I'm a dork. I also don't <laughs> care. <laughs> Uh, so, so th- this is interesting though. So as Nikki, as you went through these struggles, uh, let's move from like the grade school years into high school and then maybe even into college. Uh, how did your faith play out? Because obviously you both, uh, your faith has persevered, uh, through those different struggles that you had, um, through high school, through college. So kind of maybe walk us through a little bit. Did those struggles continue, uh, as you moved through the later years of school? Um, and into college, were those struggles, did they continue? Were they stronger or did they become easier uh, as you went along? No, I just think it's progressively got harder and harder yeah. because I kept uh, continuing in certain patterns of sins. And uh, again, I didn't really have any good Christian friends until I like was about 21-ish and kind of said that prayer to God. And I was like, I really need your help because it's impossible to do this thing. And then I was, I started to not want to hang out with the friends I grew up with and the friends I knew so well. And I wanted to really be involved with any, any person my age or around my age that was a Christian and wanted to uh, pray together or like read scripture. Like I just got like changed into a new person, which makes me question what age it was exactly when I got saved, because it seems like I would have signs of the new birth at that age. But there was also just points in my earlier life where I really did believe in and have faith, but maybe the fruit that I was producing wasn't, uh, mm-hmm. wasn't there. But, but again, the, I think we talked about this in one of our classes, uh, was it, I think it was Ron Cruz. He was talking about growing up and just because you're doing certain things doesn't necessarily mean that you're unsaved. Um, there's just a lot of variables in that. I don't think it's a clear cut and dry because you're doing this. That means sure. therefore you can't be a Christian. Sure, so absolutely. I don't feel comfortable to draw that line. So yeah. Yeah. And vice versa. Yeah. Because you're doing this doesn't mean you are a Christian. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. So, and I, and I want to, um, encourage anyone who might, who might hear what Nikki is saying here, uh, and just reinforce what he's sharing as far as, the life, uh, the, the life that we live, uh, doesn't always reflect 
the faith that we have. Um, mm. It's encouraging when it does, and we praise God when it does. Uh, but if you Romans seven, what Paul writes in Romans seven about the struggle of the the Christian against the flesh, uh, and the fact that the flesh uh, is constantly pressing us to uh, to cave and to to live out a life that isn't consistent with our faith. Uh, what we have to look at there is. Uh, is there faith? Is that faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior uh, from your sins? Is that present? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that is where our justification lies. So uh, that's that's really encouraging, though. So how would you how would you encourage? So, so you ha- say you have a parent uh, or maybe someone themselves that that is living a life, and they're like, "Man, I just know. Like, I know this isn't the right way to live. This is mm-hmm. this is there's a weight on me that this isn't pleasing to God. But no matter how hard I try." Uh, I continually fall back into the same things that I know are wrong, but there's a faith there that I believe in God and I trust that Jesus does forgive me for my sins. Uh, how do you encourage, let's just say, how do you encourage a parent who, who has a child that's walking uh, in, a, in that type of situation? So it's to look at the, I'd say like the root of, of why they're doing these things. So, okay. So your the, your son or daughter is, doing uh maybe is smoking marijuana often and that seems to be something that they're it's a pattern that they're walking in the the issue is deeper than they're just walking in this particular sin or maybe well, they're well, well it's legal in washington state what okay it's also legal here in colorado okay. so just, okay <laughs> let me take one that's more blatant maybe say say homosexuality um i don't think that it's necessarily helpful to just say on the grounds uh, this is this is sin, so you shouldn't do it. Although that is a hundred percent true, I think sometimes a little bit at the deeper cause of why that's happening is important. So, so to look at saying what will give you the most pleasure in this life, and I can confidently argue that there is nothing in this world that will give you as much pleasure and delight and satisfaction than a right relationship with God through Christ and. I guess that you know, Christian hedonism, uh, like John Piper says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. I believe that that is a, a crucial thing to for someone, especially a young person, to hold on to when the world is just at its uh, his or her door day after day saying, come, uh, crying out from the street corner saying, come, uh, join in my festivities, come join in my pleasures, and uh, you will have more delight in me, the world, than you would in this so-called God who just wants to uh, bear you down with weights and commandments. Um, I see that as being uh, an absolute false statement and just the exact opposite true that God's commandments give life and are joyful to follow. Yeah, so if you if you try to focus on a particular sin that someone's engaged in and you look at you look at that person's life or say your own life and you say, okay, this is this action that I'm partaking in or that this person is partaking in is sinful. If you attempt to just eliminate that action mm-hmm. it becomes like uh like whack-a-mole right like the game whack-a-mole so you you hit this sin down and you you can be completely assured that that will pop up somewhere else yeah. it may be a different form maybe a different fashion but it's going to pop up somewhere else because paul is very clear uh that no matter how much we try to restrict the flesh we can never uh restrict 
the flesh in the sense that sin will go away. There's always going to be uh, weaknesses that we're dealing with. So I agree with what you're saying. We have to get to the core. So in, in a situation like that, uh, the purpose of, or the, the goal would be to get to the core of where is the sin yeah. coming from? It's the um, heart. And it's the heart. And, yeah. and Calvin writes that the heart is a desire factory. Yes. And so you have to change the heart you can't just take away a desire that this person wants that's wicked. You have to put in and create a new heart, which obviously no parent can do. Yep. So the best thing I'd encourage a parent to do is just day after day to be lifting up your children, that God would uh, give them the new birth, that he would make uh, Christ appear more precious than, than anything or anyone else. Yep. Yep. And, and maybe we can talk about this in an, another podcast sometime, but uh, I think it's important to remember also that uh, there's a lot of... Uh, in the Christian realm, in the evangelical realm, there's a lot of discussion about spiritual growth and what spiritual growth looks like, what causes spiritual growth. And we that, that's a, an, a topic for another podcast sometime. But it is important to, to remember that spiritual growth in the sense of growing in Christian maturity is always attached to growing in the knowledge of who God is mm-hmm. and growing in the knowledge of who Jesus is. So like you said, the heart for a believer has to continue to grow and be changed and uh, grow in that in uh, in the acknowledgement of that regeneration that has taken place. But it only happens through growing in and realizing and recognizing the satisfaction that can be found in Christ that you talked about, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, that can't happen apart from uh, growing in your understanding and your knowledge of who God is. Uh, so, Josh, you didn't have the same struggles that Nikki did as he was growing up in, in the struggles between the, um, the, the influences they had in his life uh, and not being surrounded by, and he was surrounded by people that were challenging his faith. Um, even if it was just internally with himself mm-hmm. uh, on your end. So you went to this uh, community church, you said where the gospel was kind of just tacked on the end. How did it look as you started to grow in your understanding uh, as we were just talking about growing in your understanding of who Christ is or who God is, and did that start to be exposed as not healthy uh, in your as far as a regular diet of teaching and preaching being at that church? Yeah. Yep. How so? I, um, how, how did you start to realize that okay, this isn't right, this isn't or this isn't healthy for for me, my, either myself or my family? Well, God showed me. God showed but you. He used things providentially, like. Um, well, we got married. I was 22. So we were in the church that we went to. As we both grew up kind of in the same church. And um, we were there after we got married for eight more years. And during that time, we had, uh, I don't know how many children, two, two children. <laughs> I don't know. I think we had two. Some of them. Uh, I think we had three kids in that church. Yeah, we did. Three kids. All right. So our first three daughters were in, born in, in that church. And... Um, and I was kind of looking around and seeing people, uh, men were not being really discipled. Uh, th- these are the things I thought back then. In hindsight, I, I would diagnose it differently, but <clears throat> men weren't really being discipled. I saw marriages breaking apart. I saw kids walking away from the faith, just going off to atheism and drugs and whatever, They just leaving the church completely, including the the uh, pastor's family. Um which wasn't very reassuring. And I just remember thinking, uh, is this really where I want to raise my kids at some point? So um, I looked around at that. I also saw the worship style, and I just grew to despise 
the music especially. I thought the preaching was decent at that point, which in hindsight hmm. I would change my mind. But uh, it was really the way the music was done as a performance. It just made me really uncomfortable. And then also my kids weren't being dis- – I didn't see them growing up in a church that was discipling people to mature in the faith. And I didn't even know what that meant at the time. So uh, by accident or by providence, uh, by my accident, my I started looking around at churches. And a friend of mine was going to a Reformed Baptist church. So we checked it out. My brother-in-law got freaked out when he saw the website. It said, Regeneration Precedes Faith. Um, I was like, okay, I don't know what that means. In our church, we were kind of taught that Calvinianism was biblical. So What's that? you could somehow hold the both, right? Calvinism and Arminianism. Oh, sure. Uh, basically, God saves and you save yourself. And I know Arminians might get up in arms if they heard me say that, but that's essentially what it comes down to mm-hmm. for me. So he gave me this book. I remember my brother-in-law... <laughs> by Norman Geisler called Chosen But Free. And I would recommend reading it if you hate Calvinism and reading it and then struggling with the scriptures that he presents in that book because he does gymnastics to get around what the Bible says. I can throw in, if you are going to read that book and you want an alternate perspective. Well, I'm getting there. Okay. I just want to make sure we don't leave that hanging. (laughs) Once, it didn't make any sense. Tie somebody's head in knots. (laughs) Twice, it didn't make any sense. I started the third time and I gave up. And about that time, it was my birthday, so I got this book yes. uh, by James White, Chosen But Free. Yes. Um, I read that book, and my goodness, it was night Potter's Freedom, you mean? The Potter's Freedom, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Geisler yeah. Was In response to Chosen But Free. Yep. Was, yeah. That was amazing. And um, I knew nothing about Calvinism and Arminianism, but I knew that Geisler was doing gymnastics to get around what Scripture said, and um, James White was... Just telling me what scripture said. It was yep. simple. That's yep. simple. And solid Reformed Baptist response. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Touche. Yeah. So uh, that was, let's see, 2010. So we started going to this Reformed Baptist church off and on. And then um, that year in October, we found a church closer that was that held to the Westminster Confession but was independent, congregational. I don't know how that works, but it does. Hmm. It didn't. They turned changed to a Baptist church later, but it was great. I started hearing some really good preaching. Um, understanding the sovereignty of God came first just because of the whole Calvinist-Arminian thing that really my brother-in-law and the, my friend introduced me to, which I, I just didn't get what Reformed was even until months after I started attending this little church that was a Reformed church. But about, let's see, December of that year... So we started attending the church in October. In December, we had a, um, a, a son born, but uh, he was stillborn because of a cord wrapped around his neck. So that understanding the sovereignty of God in that was a very mm-hmm. um, uh, helpful thing mm-hmm. yeah. um, in my life. Because uh, the, the biggest deal that I found was asking the question, what if? What if I would have done that? Mm-hmm. What if I would have done this? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you understand that God works all things together for good, at least for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, that means he works all things out. That doesn't say only the things you want mm-hmm. him to work out. Mm-hmm. Or the big things or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which that's a big thing, but yeah, that, it's, it's every detail of everything. So I don't know how people can get angry at God for doing things like killing people or causing people to die when, um, when ultimately we all die, and I'd rather have God being in charge of that mm-hmm. for our good and his glory than me being mm-hmm. in charge of it. So it was a very comforting thing. 
and uh, and the preaching. Oh my goodness! I thought I was a Christian that knew everything there was to know about the Bible for thirty years, and then I started hearing about Christ and the triune work of God in saving people, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Never heard about the Trinity in that way. It was, it was amazing. It opened up my eyes to see, I would say, to see the glory of God that's revealed in the face of Jesus Christ that provides an alternative to the pursuit of worldly pleasures. Your pursuit of the glory of God is the greatest pleasure you can pursue, I'd say. Yeah, and that's something I never had growing up, kind of like you were mentioning before, mm-hmm, Andrew. Sure. Just that growing in the knowledge of Christ. Right. I, it was just very basic. Uh, I yeah, the gospel was somewhat present, but but I think that that would have had just such a different impact because I, you know, and the same understanding that you think that you know so much about God and and Jesus and the scriptures uh, coming from maybe our background, and then you get in the Reformed faith and you're just like, wow, I I thought I knew, but I don't know that much actually. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I wanna I wanna just camp there for a second because I think this is this is critically important. There are millions of people that go sit under the preaching of God's word every Sunday, right? They hear the word of God uh, in, in the sense that it's being read. And there's a sermon or a message that's being given based on that text, whether it's actually expounding that text or not. There's a sermon or a message that's being tied to what's been read from God's word. Uh, a lot of those people are sitting in the exact situation, Josh, that you were in. Uh, they're in a church where initially they, they think that they're growing in the knowledge of who Christ is and in the knowledge of who God is because they're hearing God's word read, right? Uh, and God graciously in your life and Nikki eventually in yours began to open your eyes to the reality that there's something here that I've never realized. I've never been taught. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how, and, and it leads to, uh, it can lead to a lot of struggle. And I think what happens is people will blame God for their lack of joy, when the reality is they're uh, they're spiritually uh, starving, right? They're yeah. they're malnourished nutritionally when it comes at a spiritual perspective. Even though they may be trying to do all the right things, they're they're consuming something that is not beneficial to their spiritual life. So um, we can go to both of you, but Josh, what do you have to say to someone that that may even think that they're you know I, I go to a church where I hear the word of God preached every Sunday. Uh, how does how does someone even begin to uh, discern their their situation or begin to properly assess it so that they can come away saying yes I am or no I'm not being fed God's word? If you still think that the gospel is basic <clears throat> and that you need to get deeper, mm-hmm. then that's probably an indicator that there is a lot more that you need to know about. Can you, can you explain that? Just what what you mean by the gospel is basic. If you just think the gospel is that Jesus died for your sins and rose again, which is true, Mm -hmm. and that is the gospel, but if Mm -hmm. you think that's all there is to it, if you don't see that that can be satisfying to learn about for your whole entire life, um, then that's probably an indicator that you're not being fed because there is the gospel can be expounded eternally Mm -hmm. and the angels will wonder forever in, in amazement and glorify God for it. Yeah. Um, I would say personally, that's, that's what I would think in okay. hindsight sure. was an indicator of me not being fed. Yeah. And I would have two things, uh, two other diagnostics. So if you go to a church and you think that deep teaching equals getting into the Greek 
and explaining what a complicated passage means. That's one thing I would say. You're not being fed if that's all. If that's what you think is good teaching, if that's all they do, they don't bring you up to expose the glory of God to you. Um, bring you up to see the glory of God in the Word of God. But if they if they if they if they show you the glory of language, or the glory of morality, or the glory of um, signs, signs and wonders, sure, yeah, maybe not in my church so much, but to some degree, um, that's a bad. That's probably a bad thing. And someone I know that's very uh, tells me like every Sunday, this church is failing because they're not preaching the word. Is going to a church that is. <sighs> not preaching the word, but they have tons and tons of scripture thrown at you, uh, yeah. taken out of context. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this proverb uh, points exactly to what we're talking about here. And they'll read the scripture to start out. And it's just basically a jump off point so that the, the preacher can present an idea. And some of those ideas can be biblical, can be sound, but they're not getting it from the text that they're preparing. They're saying, I have an idea. What text can I use to support my idea? And that can be faulty because you're always going to gravitate towards certain areas. Uh, I doubt you're ever going to want to go through something like Lamentations and talk about mm. that book because that's a very uncomfortable for, for a congregation to work sure. through. You're not going to stay there. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to go to practical application yeah. almost right away. Yeah. Um, I have another diagnostic too. I would say programs. <clears throat> if you are filling your life in order to feel like you're spiritually maturing mm, yeah. with um, attending Bible studies and going to men's breakfasts and doing homeless outreach and all that good stuff, which good, is good, good stuff. stuff. Yeah. Awana, whatever, youth group, your involvement in the church, uh, music, um, the worship team, if you have one, which mm-hmm. that's another thing altogether. But if that's what makes you feel like you're growing, that may be an indicator that you're not being fed. Too, so yeah sure so and like you guys said th- those can be good things uh, helpful things but when they replace or when they when they take the place of actual growth um, and I'm not talking about growth Here, morally do you know what it means to see the glory of God yeah. Yeah. in the face of Jesus Christ yep yeah. yeah absolutely so if you're if you're preaching and your programs and everything else that you're doing as a church is focused around that. Right, that that reality of I want to grow in my understanding, in my my knowledge of the glory of God, the holiness of God, and how my faith, as it grows and trusts in the reality of who God is, that affects everything else that I do. That affects the That's way I think. Very very satisfying. I it's mean, very satisfying. Right, right. So that is the meat, right? That's that's yeah. the meat that we're growing in, and that affects why we do everything else that we do. Uh, and those things don't become a substitute; they become an outflow. And then, um, of instead of staying home on Sunday morning and watching a good football game, uh, you might want to go worship God because exactly. He's worth yeah. worshiping. It's a, it's a joy. Yeah. Yep. So take something that's that's so often abused. Uh, just a morning, a time of devotions. Right. It doesn't have to be in the mornings, but but just a time set aside that you spend time just. Um, resting in who God is and spending time in his word and growing in the knowledge and, and understanding of who he is, uh, that becomes very satisfying when it's not, I need to do this because it makes me feel more mature, right? It, it becomes satisfying when you realize I'm taking a bite of meat, right? That I can chew on for days and weeks and months. Uh, and then I pray will eventually become a part of, of what impacts why I do what I do or impacts my thinking and everything else. Uh, it, there's, there's less pressure 
on what you expect that time to produce, um, your devotional time or whatever, because uh, you're not looking for, well, this this has to just turn my life around 180 degrees, and then I and as soon as I get done with my devotions, I find myself in the same sinful pattern that I was in before, hmm. right? And that, that makes devotions become a chore. But when you realize, I can just reflect on who God is and the fact that He loves me as His child, uh, and and then like you were talking about reflecting on the, the the broad scope of the gospel and what that looks like when it plays itself out in my life as a believer, um, that becomes more about being nourished than it does about trying to just accomplish things right uh, with our spiritual walk. So I'd say uh, that's it, man. I've wondered how do you get people to understand that there's so much more here. I've thought about that. I don't think you really can until people begin to taste it for themselves. I, I think you do it by just belaboring the scriptures. But, by, but I think people think there's maybe, but I don't know. There, people always think there's something missing and I need to add on this a little sure. bit more yep. uh-huh. to feel like my I'm really growing. Yep. I'm going to add on this piece to my Christian knowledge. Mm-hmm. Okay. Add on a piece of like <laughs> of action, you mean? Bible knowledge yeah. Yeah. or oh, yeah, right, right. background knowledge, yeah. like, History of yeah. the Bible, uh, even the language to kind of like pad my credentials a yep. little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm not just a believer; I'm a believer plus. I'm a second tier yeah. believer. Yeah, yeah. But I think understanding really what people don't get is that the Bible connected redemptive historically. So from the Garden all the way through to Revelation, the end of time, the whole Bible unfolds, shows us Christ. People don't really understand the unity of the scriptures in that way. There's such a depth to that. It's very satisfying. But also systematically putting together the pieces of what is justification and all those, what is what is the atonement, etc. Just understanding those things, there, you can get so, like, there's so much there mm-hmm. that exposes the work of Christ and the glory of God. I don't think people realize it's there. Yeah, so uh, we'll get ready to bring this podcast to a close. But uh, one thing that I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on towards the end that kind of wraps up everything that we've been talking about here. Uh, you guys have obviously, we kind of went up through the college years and, and for Nikki and then for Josh kind of going from the di- through the different churches that he went through a little bit. Uh, but And there's, a, there's a, just a huge variety of experiences that you two have gone through that are different. Right, based on uh, the experiences that God brought you through, the people that were around you, and obviously we could look at Christianity as a whole. And Christians are just exposed to a, just a broad scope of different experiences that they bring to the table. And ultimately, for you two, uh, God continued to help you grow and allowed you to grow in the knowledge and the understanding of who He is, and and kind of calibrate that right back to what is actually scriptural. And that's what you guys are doing here. Then a seminary is continuing that process of growing in your understanding of who God is through the right, the right treating of his word, the right understanding of his word so that that, so that the pendulum doesn't swing so wide, right? So that it's kind of narrowed down to, I know who God is and I'm learning who he is. And now it's playing out in my life. So, uh, kind of just maybe give a, a closing, um, some closing remarks on, how how would you encourage someone who maybe has similar experiences to you uh, in just kind of relate to them? And, and how would you encourage them to assess their lives and, and get out of uh, possibly get out of that rut that they're in of, of just not really knowing who God is? Maybe just some very practical advice on what are some, what are some first steps they can take? 
Man. Well, first of all, Briefly. Find, find somebody to debate, debate with. <laughs> okay. Read your Bible. <laughs> yeah, read your I really believe that the Bible is the source of truth, that God speaks in Scripture, and that studying your Bible will help you to understand who God is. But I would say, secondly, don't don't neglect reading old dead guys. And mm. there are good old dead guys to read and bad ones. But I would say start with the early church. Looking at the heresies that arose, you will see the roots of many modern-day heresies. Mm-hmm. Just reoccurring over and over again. Yep. Yep. Yeah. There aren't many new things. They're just kind of redone. I'd say read, read about those things and then get into... Um, Here's what I would say. Read the Westminster Confession of Faith, the Heidelberg <laughs> Catechism, the Canons of Dort. Read the Canons of Dort. That's a cool uh, thing to read historically, uh, responding to the Armenians. Um, um, uh, there's the Second London Baptist Confession of Faith, if you're not a Presbyterian or baby dunker. <laughs> no, so, so this is good. So uh, kind of what Josh is saying here is, as Christians, the Bible is... Uh, paramount, right? It, it is God's word, but there are many people uh, who have come before us that have written some very solid things that help us grow in our understanding of Scripture, right? Uh, and we need to be willing uh, to read those things that they that they've written, the the confessions that have been written, uh, and some of the different early church documents that we have. So that we can grow in our understanding of who God is through these these things that have stood the test of time, right? So these things have been proven over and over to be the right expounding of Scripture, uh, and they they are some of them are very uh, very simple, right? And they just help us to start to put together this litmus test that we can then take to Scripture and say, "Am I understanding this the right way? Am I understanding this the way that it's been understood for um, thousands of years before?" And am I also uh, it also exposes the heresies that you guys said continually come over and over and over so that we can be aware of them. Yeah. And how many times have you read an email or you read a Bible verse and, and you didn't really understand something or you understood it a certain way, but then somebody else explained it in a different way. And sure. you're like, why didn't I think yeah, of right, that? Right. I mean, that's what happens is you realize you have just not seen what has always been there. Sure. Yeah. It's not that they're teaching you something that's not in scripture. Is that they're like they're just peeling back your own yep. blinders a little bit. Your own bit. blinders, right? Yep. And uh, so, I think this is important. We go to church and we hear sermons preached, uh, and we trust that that person is giving us the right understanding of Scripture, right? And, and we need to bring our, our own discernment to that to make sure that they are. But reading what someone has written about Scripture is very similar. Right? It's similar to going and listening to a sermon. It's that person helping us grow in our understanding of what God has revealed through his word. So we need to uh, expand what we're exposing ourselves to and not just limit it to my own reading and mm-hmm. what my preacher is saying on Sunday, but get outside of that and realize that God has used a lot of people throughout history uh, in very powerful and significant ways to help us grow in our understanding of what mm-hmm. he has intended for us to learn through his word. So Nikki, so, so Josh has kind of anchored us or, or kind of taken us back to anchor ourselves, not just in, in uh, what we can read and hear today, but let's go back a little bit and let's look at what God, how God has used other people uh, in history to grow in our understanding of scripture. Hmm. Uh, do you have anything else to add besides that, that you would encourage people in? Yeah. Especially for someone who's a, a young adult or just a, a teenager. Um, self-determination is only going to get you so far. You're going to come to a point where, you may you may be able to do uh, quote unquote good for a while, 
um, and not walk in certain patterns that you're struggling with. But eventually, you're just going to cave and give in to the desires of your heart. And uh, I would just encourage anyone who had a situation like mine just to just plead with the Lord. Just be honest with Him and just say, I can't overcome these sins in my life. And unless you unless you come in and help, I'm never going to get past these things. Um, so not leaning on the flesh, but leaning uh, upon Christ solely. Okay. So awesome. So, so two different backgrounds, but ultimately God has aligned you, uh, your, your knowledge and your thoughts enough. Uh, we're not all perfectly aligned in everything, but at least on the, on the essentials, uh, we are, (laughs) we're, we're aligned enough to be at the same seminary <laughs> learning uh, some, from some very solid professors that are helping us grow in our understanding of how to handle God's Word, how to properly understand it for ourselves, and how to apply it to our lives. So I think I would just leave, uh, we'll, we'll close this podcast hopefully with, with some encouragement here, uh, that if you are a Christian and you are struggling with uh, your life isn't what you think it should be, uh, you, there's an emptiness, there's a lack of joy and a lack of peace that God promises to his children. Uh, first of all, you're not alone. Uh, in no way are you alone. These are, mm-hmm. these things are common, uh, to the Christian walk and, and they are the, ultimately they are the result of the, uh, rebirth taking place in a, in a believer's life. And then the reality that the flesh is still there, uh, mm-hmm. and there's guaranteed to be a battle there. Yeah. Uh, but also, uh, be encouraged that, as you grow in the knowledge of who the God is that saved you, uh, that pulled you out of darkness, the peace and the joy that he promises us is there. Uh, and it's, uh, it's our privilege to be able to grow and have the scriptures illuminated to us uh, so that we can experience what he's promised us. So uh, until next time, thank you for listening, and uh, we will talk to you next time.